Hello, I'm David Aiken, and this is the West Block Politics, Perspectives, and Players. As more nations close borders, schools, sporting, and entertainment events, many are questioning if this action is too little too late. And south of the border, many critics are warning the U.S. is not adequately prepared to handle this pandemic, even after the president announced European travel restrictions earlier this week. Is this the right approach? What more should nations be doing to battle this pandemic? Joining me now is Jamie Metzl, who is an advisory committee member, technology and healthcare futurist, and author of the book, Hacking Darwin, Genetic Engineering and the Future of Humanity. I want to start first with uh, what we are seeing out of the United States. Early this week, the president announced travel restrictions from Europe for 30 days. Do you think that is what more nations should be looking at, closing borders? Is, is that a way to contain this virus? This virus and all viruses are by definition transnational. We need to use our borders smartly, but just a blanket ban like this, I don't know if that's really going to help because uh, there are countries that are being banned that have far lower incidence of COVID-19 than the United States does. And here in the United States, we have no clue how prevalent uh, this disease is because the federal government has done such a a terrible job um, with um, preparing us to have the testing kits. So we just have no idea how serious this is. It could well be, and I'm sure it is the case, um, that the incidents in the United States are well beyond most of the countries in the European Union, may perhaps with the exception of, uh, of Italy, I mean, certainly with the exception of Italy, and perhaps, Fran perhaps France and, and, and a few others. So rather than having these blanket bans and shutting down the world economy and actually even keeping out the experts who we may need we may need here what we need to have is much smarter uh, systems including at our borders that that have very rapid testing in south korea they've innovated with drive through testing mass numbers of tests and that's what we need to be doing it can't be that only the sickest people get tested everybody needs to be tested then we can, in a very smart way, isolate and quarantine the people who need to be isolated. You referred to Italy. The, the U.S. is being compared to Italy in terms of not doing enough initially to combat this virus. And now we're hearing there are not enough tests in the U.S. Even on the CDC website on Thursday morning, that number was zero. Congress was briefed and health officials told there are no clear guidelines. So. How is that affecting what we're seeing south of the border in terms of clear guidelines? And first, I love that we are America south of the border. When people in America speak of south of the border, they speak of Mexico. And this is appropriate. I mean, it's been almost 20 or 17 years since SARS. There was ample opportunity to prepare, and the United States didn't prepare. Uh, China really screwed up in the early weeks of this of this virus. And I think that people around the world should be furious at China's failure to stem this at the beginning. But after that, actually, China really stepped up in a big way and bought time for the rest of the world. And that time, at least here in the United States, was very significantly squandered. And so, as I said before, sorry for this noise, this is my BBC moment. Um, as I said before, um, if we don't have testing, we just have no way to evaluate um, how bad the situation is. I'm here in New York City, um, and my guess is that there are tens of thousands of, uh, of cases here already, if not more. And so without that ability to evaluate where things are, it really makes it almost impossible to respond. 
I'd like to get your opinion on what is needed to get this under control. Well, a few things. First, we need ramped up testing uh, here in, uh, in the United States. Um, we need clear messaging from we need clear messaging from the federal government uh, about what's happening um, because we've had so many conflicting messages over the last few weeks. Um, first, President Trump was saying, and Larry Kudlow were saying, everything is fine. There's nothing to worry about. Um, and now, sorry about this. Um, we're saying everything is fine and there's nothing to worry about. Uh, and now they're saying this is serious. And now there are these steps being taken that don't really make uh, a huge amount of sense. We need leadership. And that's what's really been lacking. Uh, President Trump took office, gutted the office that President Obama had set up for exactly this kind of emergency. So we need messaging to everybody. We need clear instructions because ultimately what's going to help us get through this are some of the old traditional blocking and tackling activities that we know how to do from as, as far back as the Spanish flu. And the name of the game is to buy time for the year 12 to 18 months until we have a vaccine. Our species hasn't encountered this virus in our almost 4 billion years of evolutionary history. So we're not prepared for it biologically. As you watch uh, COVID-19 play out internationally, what concerns you the most? A few different things. One is um, we are facing a whole new set of circumstances that's very different from what we've seen in the past. Even SARS, uh, certainly from the, the, the earlier uh, epidemics and pandemics, we now have 7.5 billion humans on this planet. Just 100 years ago, we had 2 billion. We have mass urbanization. We have destruction of our wild spaces. All of these things, we used to have much more of a buffer uh, we're now globalized, so you could have had this kind of zoonotic uh, event where a virus jumps from an animal to a human. But if it happened in some small isolated place anywhere in the world, that was restricted. And now we're so deeply connected that the ability of these viruses, and viruses, they don't have any intentionality uh, of their own, but they're looking for hosts. And we humans, because there are so many of us, um, we've created the perfect host and the, the viral world is constantly changing. Um, and so there was always this threat that there was going to be this perfect, from a virus, the viral perspective, balance between something that's asymptomatic long enough for it to spread, but deadly enough that once it spread, it could, could wreak havoc. And this may be um, this event that people have been warning about for for so many years and that's really really concerning and we're not set up for it we can be um but we rather than denigrate our international institutions like the world health organization like the united nations this is a moment where we can come together and the scientific tools that we have are better than at any point in our history we have more knowledge uh than we've had at any any point of our history so it's not like we're entirely defenseless but we have to rally in a way that we haven't over recent years why isn't that happening? Are people thinking can't happen to me or happen here or don't understand the full complexity of the situation? Yeah, well, so, yeah. So it's happening, some of it is happening, it's just not enough. Um, here in, in New York, where I am, <clears throat> other parts of the world, people are saying, one, either it's not here yet, and that's what President Trump was saying in the beginning, oh, we're, we're keeping this out, we're in, we're in great shape. That was the absolute wrong messaging and we're suffering because of that messaging. There are people here in, in New York who are saying, well, I'm young, 
Um, and I and I understand that that um, even if I get coronavirus, it's probably not going to kill me. Um, and so a lot of people are going on with their lives, going to restaurants, going to bars, going to theater, going to movies, traveling. Um, and we need to recognize that we're all in this together because if even the young and healthy people play a role in the spreading of this virus, that's going to harm and potentially kill uh, a lot of people, particularly the elderly and the most vulnerable. So this is a moment where we need certainly responsibility from our governments, but we need individual responsibility and individual accountability. And as we're all quarantined, and I think pretty soon the rest of the world is going to look more and more like Italy, we're gonna to need to rely on our virtual connectivity. If people aren't visiting old age homes, everyone should be you know, calling your, your grandmother three times a day just to make sure we have to come together because this is going to be a massive strain. All right, let me ask you to put on your technology and healthcare futurist hat on. How much longer do you see this playing out? We really don't know. I mean, we have a bias in the way that our brains are just biologically designed to function, that we think that the future will be kind of like the past. That's what allows us to make predictions and decisions. If we thought the future was totally unknown, how would we decide anything? So it could be, um, that we're just entering a new normal, like after 9-11, in the, in the, when we first set up all the restrictions on travel and all the security checks, it was, it was abrupt. People weren't comfortable and people thought, well, we'll do this for a while and then we'll go back. And then we just entered a new normal. So we could be at a new normal for a while in some elements of the virtualization of our, uh, of our lives. But most likely, um, I think we're going to have to live very, very different lives until um, there is some kind of a vaccine. And that's probably going to take somewhere between 12 and 18 months. Uh, and so I don't wanna panic anybody, um, but we just shouldn't expect that we do this for you know, a few weeks and then life goes back to normal. There could be a great experience. It could be um, that this virus is seasonal. Some viruses are, at least in terms of their, uh, how, they, uh, how humans respond to them and some aren't. So uh, good things could happen. Um, but there's a real chance that this is going to get significantly worse and more global before it gets better. And do you think as we look forward, we will inevitably see more viruses that we may be in a position globally to, to treat a possible new virus? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, yes, and I hope so. I mean, yes, there are lessons. We are now applying the lessons that we learned through SARS, that we learned through MERS and, and other experiences. But it's all too often the case that we'll make it through a crisis and we will make it through this crisis. But then on the other end of the crisis, we let our guard down. And so people for 20 years or more than 20 years have been saying this big one, and maybe this is it, is coming and we need to prepare. And we're partly prepared, but we're not nearly as prepared as we need to be. And that's why I hope that while we focus on responding to this crisis, we're also building the foundations for a longer term response to the many other crises like these and like this and even worse than this are that are inevitably going to come our way. Well, thank you, Jamie Metzl, for joining us. That's all the time we have for today. For the West Block, I'm David Aiken. <music>